union town All down the line This is a union town A union town All down the line This is a union town This is President Ron Herrera inviting you to tune into Welcome to Uniontown, a new podcast that delves into the everyday issues and iconic leaders in the labor movement. We get to know the backstories of workers and the journey of leaders from their first job to their greatest victory. The show covers every aspect of the Los Angeles labor movement from the desert to the sea. On Labor Day, we interview Dolores Huerta followed by an episode with key leaders of the Chicano Moratorium on the eve of its 50th anniversary. Welcome, everyone. This is Hugo Romero. I'm the co-host of Welcome to Uniontown. And I'm here today with my fellow co-host, Ron Herrera, president of the Los Angeles County Federation of Labor. And so, Ron, 2020 has been a crazy year for sure. And now we're doing a podcast to add to the twists and turns of the year. Um, and we've promised our audience to interview key leaders, iconic leaders in the labor, in and outside of the labor movement. So what better way than to start off with you? I got to be honest, before I met you officially, I had heard Ron Herrera, Teamster leader, big time leader across the country. And so you were sort of uh, mythicized. Before I even met you, and now it, it's of course been an honor to work with you and, and serve with, with you. Can we let folks know who is Ron Herrera, and before the labor leader, who's the Ron coming of age, and your background? I think I would start out by saying just a guy, just a brother, right? Nothing more than that. Humble roots was taught respect and loyalty from two great parents. And the worst thing I would want to do is disappoint those two and my grandmother. Um, so it's very, very important to me just to be a regular person and to listen. I think listening is the key, Hugo, that obviously folks are, you know, successful people that are out there, right, sometimes alienate themselves from, you know, a regular person. They don't know how to have conversations with a regular person anymore. And that's one of the things I don't want to be. So who's the real Ron Herrera? Just a regular guy you can sit down and have a cup of coffee with and have a conversation of, about sports or politics, a movie, enjoy music, and we can talk about that. Obviously, there's a serious side to me, but every day, I just want to wake up as a normal person. That's right. And we, we have absolutely talked about all those things in the past, including your surfing days and, <laughs> and biking days in, in Tijuana. But can you talk to us about where you were born, where you grew up, and, and how that sort of shaped who you are today? Well, I was born in the South Bay, Torrance, a little kid from uh, Wilmington obviously. And growing up was in Wilmington, it's a sports town. Mm -hmm. So came up, you know, luckily with some athleticism and played competitive sports. I think that's where I got my competitiveness with, obviously, because, you know, we hate losing in today's world, right? Either it's a union election, an organizing drive for new workers, or, you know, a legislative political race. But Wilmington was a, a interesting place to grow up in because it was a community. When I grew up, there were 
longtime families that grew up in the area. If you had, you know, we all came from large families, so each one of your brothers and sisters was friends with a multitude of different families <laughs> through generations, right? So mm-hmm. uh, my sister's friends were my friends who maybe had a, a brother in the family. And how many siblings did you have? Six, one deceased. It, it was, you know, the the big thing is I learned community from growing up in Wilmington, and I, and I learned loyalty. And those are very, very important in the career path that I decided because loyalty means everything within the labor movement. I believe that my upbringing is the foundation of my union career. And you come from a union background, right? Your, your family? Well, I come from a union family. That's right. right? I was taught that by uh, actually both my parents. My dad was, you know, a staunch union member, 46 years in the Longshoremen Union, ILWU Local 13, went through multiple strikes. I got to be on strikes with them. But my parents come from a small town in uh, Arizona, a mining town, where, you know, unfortunately, discrimination against Latinos was prevalent as when they were kids, their fathers and mothers. So... The basis of, of a fight, you know, on discrimination, my parents, you know, always taught us about that. And the fact that my father was a staunch union person really creates a, a, a belief in unions and the importance of them to help families, you know, raise to the middle class. I'm a staunch believer in social economics and the power that collective bargaining has in society. And there's a lot of different talk, Ugo, about uh, racism, discrimination, poverty. And through a union contract, you can achieve and be, you know, productive and positive and fight back from all those three components that I just told you and more. Because within a, a union contract, you'll find protections and rights that are negotiated for a worker. So you want to end systemic racism. You want to end, you know, discrimination. You want to have non-discrimination clauses. You want to up the economics of families. You want, you know, health care. You want a future uh, for your families through pensions. It's through unionization. The reason that I say systemic racism is because unions are founded by family, by community, and by a brother and sisterhood, and we don't discriminate to family. Talk more about some of the challenges you face, because not everybody thinks like you, of course, in in the labor movement. There are some people still entrenched in, in a certain train of thought. What are some of those challenges you've broken yourself through to push some of these civil rights and human rights agendas through the utilizing the labor movement? Unfortunately, prejudice comes in, in all shapes and, and sizes and agenda. You have to be able to have courage, number one, confidence in yourself and a following in order to achieve things. You can't do it alone. And it's very important that you organize through belief and uh, you sell yourself accordingly, and you mobilize people. You have to have mobilization of an army to create a machine. And once you've created that machine, 
then there's no barriers. But understanding that that's not an easy thing. And primarily, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in the movement. And you have to have the courage because you're going to get knocked back. There's no doubt about it. Not everybody thinks like, like us. And, and you have to take the bad, right, with the good. And you just have to keep on moving forward. You gave a pretty crazy speech, I remember. <laughs> I think it was at uh, Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. where you challenged folks that if they didn't like their union to challenge leadership and, and, and run for that seat. Now, for those outside of the labor movement, for a sitting vice president of an international u- union to make that type of statement, you know what? If you don't like it, run and you encourage a lot of young leaders of color to do so those are talk about working up to that level of boldness to be able to make such a statement and and show that type of leadership well that's when you definitely have to have courage but my courage comes from my membership it isn't individual so fortunately for me I have a lot of political supporters that believe in, in, in the same thing. And I believe, I'm a doer, as you know, Hugo. We're not going to sit back and, you know, dwell and, and find problems and not find solutions. So a lot of folks complain, but that's all they do. And we have to take that, that energy and create a, a positive flow. And philosophies are are quite different. And if we want to be heard, then we're going to have to get into the conversation. And that conversation, and that particular speech was take over the conversation. And you do that by becoming part of the leadership of a local union and not to sit back and expect everybody else is going to do it except yourself. No, it's time for you as an individual to have the courage, to have the voice, to step up and take charge. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I think has inspired a lot of young individuals who have sort of followed your trajectory through the union leadership is to, you know, take charge, run, and and go for it. Can you talk about your proudest accomplishment of all the ones you've done, right? You've, you've achieved a lot. You know, you're now the president of the Federation, vice president of the International. I've negotiated lots of contracts, national ones. Of all the things, is there something that, you know, this makes me most proud? Folks like yourself that I may have influenced um, not to accept a norm and a challenge and to overcome adversities that, you know, confront, you know, men and women of color like us, and not to take a back seat. When I know that I've influenced uh, a generation, a, a younger generation, that makes me feel good. Because I believe that all the things that I've accomplished, if you, if you asked me to name them, I couldn't name them. Because I just take one day at a time, I take one task at a time, I complete it to the best of my ability, and then I move on. 
I don't put it in a bank. I don't put it in, in a, you know, like a journal that I go back and I tout how wonderful I am. But I think a, being a success is the legacy that I leave. It's the folks that, uh, the people that I've, I've influenced and their successes. I, I judge my success by the people I influence and my legacy. I joked earlier that I can hardly keep up with you in a previous interview with the folks from the Chicano Moratorium. But, you know, you keep going, right? You, you're introducing new ideas. You, you pitch new ideas to staff. You brought Christian Scarlett and myself into the, this podcast. Why do you want to do a podcast? Why, why bring this to, to the labor movement? I was probably one of the first ones in a Teamsters union to do an app. And that app is nothing more than information to your, to your membership. It's just utilizing technology to have a conversation. So it's a form of organizing, it's a form of outreach, and it's a form of mobilization. At the end of the day, it's about getting out the vote and GOTV. The podcast is about reaching out to people, reaching out and preaching a doctrine of unionization. So we are going to use every form of technology to reach people. And the podcast, obviously is that that method right now. You mentioned earlier, you know, I asked what what would make what's your proudest accomplishment? You said impacting a new generation. But with that I assume comes some level of expectations. You know, you, you impact younger folks. I assume there's a level of expectations as to what you want them to do. What's your expectations of of this new generation of generation of unionists and activists? To believe in people and people in need. This is America, but yet there's homelessness, there's job loss, there's a lack of jobs, and there's hunger. And what happens is, is, you know, folks or people get educated and they think that they've made it and they forget about where they came from. And what I would like to see with leaders like yourself, I expect you, you know, personally to be a leader, our staff to be a leader, my membership. But what I would like to see is that you don't forget who brought you, who brought you to where you're at. Your parents obviously, you know, worked hard for you. Uh, you got an education. You got a college degree. Give that college degree back to people in need. I know that you come from, from you know, a, a tough upbringing. So take your talents, take your intelligence and help people. I think that's extremely important because movements fizzle out, movements stall. We see it all the time. And that's because of the lack of energy and of the lack of planning, lack of agenda. But if leaders like yourself could keep that agenda going, teach even the generation below you to be that person. I think the world would be a better place. We uh, are capable of doing it. We just have to have the belief, the passion, and the commitment to move forward as a community. You know, generations, it's interesting you mentioned about this is America, and yet we have all these issues. I remember Cristina Vasquez 
who you know well, hosted a Cuban leader here in Los Angeles. And what he mentioned to us was, of all the things he thought he would see here in America, he was most shocked at people living under bridges. And these issues continue today, yet there's this sometimes external vision of what America is, and, and we see all the struggles you know, entrenched in, in poor folks, uh, income inequality, and all this going on. And I think you're right. I mean, it, it is going to take a new generation, working with new generations, to, to move this along. And even myself, right? I know you see me as a younger generation. I can't go with, on a walk now without spraining my knee, as you can see my <laughs> knee now. It, it, you know, there's my sister generation, you know, she's in her late teens now. It's, it's a new coming of age, Gen Z, with the TikTok and they impacted Trump's uh, rally and, and new ways of activism. And I think you're absolutely right. It's building that bench and this expectation of not forgetting not just our family, our chosen family, but all the circumstances that uh, produced who we are. And, and for those of us that have had the privilege to overcome certain ob obstacles, to go back and, and support and uplift the voices and needs those who have made stuck in the system or going through rough patches. Ron, wanted to touch base with you uh, as well on your vision for the LA labor movement. You got sworn in late last year, uh, which 2020 makes it seem like it was forever ago and then uh, what's with the Fed. What's your vision for where we take the LA labor movement, especially in, in, within the lens of a global pandemic, BLM up activities, the uprising we saw earlier this year, nested under all this, where do we go as the Los Angeles labor movement? In a perfect world and not being naive in one direction, bringing in community, obviously labor, and bringing in social justice. We have, to, we have to understand that on the social justice side, job creation is a big component to fight back. Uh, and without jobs, you're going to see more poverty, more need, more crime even, more discrimination. So we have to unify. We have to unify as a society of workers, both union and non-union. And it can be done, but we have to get to the table and have conversations. We can't be a splintered group to where if one component of our movement is satisfied and the other one isn't, that, that makes it okay. We have to form collaboratives to leverage entities that, that in, let's use uh, corporations, to leverage corporations to share wealth. You know, the thing that, that, you know, irritates me and disappoints me the most is, is uh, when I read about or I'm involved with a company that fights back and, and doesn't really give the workers their just due, then uh, you read about a golden parachute that was given in the millions and sometimes in the hundreds of millions. But yet, you know, they fought back from giving you know, a worker or a two, three, four percent raise. 
So that, that we should all, you know, look at that. We should all challenge ourselves. And if we aren't moving in the same direction, covering each other's backs, using each other in a good way to leverage, you know, separate work, work groups, right, or, or different unions or affiliates and using them, you know, more in a corporate campaign type style to where every, everyone is working in one direction and uh, entities that, that we're up against know that, you'll see a whole different labor movement. You'll, and then that will affect legislative politics because uh, we become more in control, and that's what I preach to you, right? More in control of uh, getting out the vote, GOTV, because we will become more of a society moving in the same direction, thus voting in the same direction. I'm glad you brought up the point about corporations uh, and unifying and leveraging corporate interests as the labor movement across issues. Uh, one thing I've, you know, as you know, my, my mom was deported, right? And at the same time, I, I just had that lens of it through her, uh, what was imprisonment, really, it was mass incarceration and deportation as has come to be known. But corporations profiting off the immigration, detention and deportation of immigrants, corporations profiting off the incarceration of black and brown individuals, and corporations profiting off the the backs of workers who are experiencing wage theft, uh, no paid sick leave, uh, and all the other benefits that come through, say, a union. And I've often described it as, you know, take ALEC, for example, the American Legislative Exchange Council. I've described it to folks as, think of, you know, this massive corporation. They have these conventions and they have breakout rooms where in one room, they talk about what immigration policy they want to shape to increase the number of deportations. In another breakout room, they talk about what policies they want to pass to, to imprison more black folks and brown folks. And another, you know, they, they have this agenda to solve profit and corporate driven. And we can absolutely unify around this. And some of it is absolutely just racism uh, that's entrenched in, in some people's minds uh, that maybe not don't have a profit, but they have a, a just an agenda to keep racism alive and just plain and simple. I'm glad you brought up that that point. Let's talk about Ron, the sports. You mentioned sports. What sports did you play and what sports do you watch? <laughs> um, mostly baseball. Mostly. But when you grow up ne- across the street from a park, you do everything. You play all sports and back you know, when I was growing up, you just, there was no training camps. You just went from one sport to the other. But, you know, um, everything's geared around your high school, right? Even when you're five, six years old, seven years old. And the big thing in Wilmington was football. So, um, you know, played football also. But Growing up in Wilmington, did you, did you notice and you, as you were playing sports and what have did you... When did you get your first sense of discrimination? Um, you know, it's interesting because I grew up in, in a multi-ethnic community. So it was a perfect place to grow up as a kid because uh, there, was, there wasn't actually any, any you know, discrimination because uh, growing up, 
uh, you didn't know it. And, and it's almost like discrimination is taught. And uh, not until, you know, I hit my teens that, and you venture away from your own community, do you start sensing it. And obviously, you know, uh, you read about it, right? Our family was, uh, my dad was an avid reader and my mom, so they taught us the same thing. So you start, you start educating yourself around it. And then, you know, as you grow up, you, you just naturally start seeing it once you move out of a, a safe confine. That's great, Ron. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, we're going to wrap it up here. But I know that through this podcast that, you know, we, we this venture we're taking on and alongside our, our comms teams, Christian and Scarlett, and, of course, with you co-hosting, we're going to get to know more about you as you share your reflections with our guests and and provide your insight. So I know the Los Angeles labor movement and the broader audience who will be listening look forward to getting you to know you more through this additional medium that, you know, you're providing. Thank you. This is a union town, a union town. All down the line, this is a union town, a union town. All down the line, this is a union town. Hey, this is President Ron Herrera, thanking you and my co-host, Brother Hugo Romero, for joining us on this episode of Welcome to Union Town. On Labor Day, we interview Dolores Huerta. A big takeaway from today's episode is civic engagement, not only voting, but mobilizing our communities to vote as well. This election will carry an enormous impact on current and future generations. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share with friends, family, and of course, other union members. That's our show for today. Tune in next time. And always remember, Los Angeles is a union town. One, two, three, four, let's go! This is a union town, a union town. All down the line, this is a union town, a union town. All down the line. And if they come to strip our rights away, we'll give them hell every time. This is a union town, a union town. All down the line.